0: All right, you ready to give this a shot? No, but let me drink some coffee and we might think about it. Welcome everyone to the first episode of MTG Under the Hood. Where we take a deeper dive into the mechanics of the lovely game of Magic the Gathering. I'm your host Chris, I'm a Magic player, Grand Prix attendee, and creator of this wonderful podcast. I started playing in the Alara block, and then through the Zendikar block, took a break, came back in Ixalan, mostly I'm a gruel player, that's red and green, but I do also enjoy Mill, and theme decks, and fun decks, I just have fun. I started playing in standard, moved over to modern for a little bit, and now I mostly play commander just because it's a lot more fun and it's a lot more social. I'm joined today with my friend Joe. Joe, tell me about yourself. Hi everybody, so I'm Joe. Um, I've been playing for a while.
1: I started in the Onslaught block, left after the Kamigawa block unfortunately. I just didn't quite have the time or the wallet to afford it, but i picked up back up within about the past year, and over the course of this past year, I've really dived into the rules aspect of of magic, Um, and I'm actually looking to become a level one judge within the next six months. That's sort of one of my goals. I passed the rules advisor exam, and I am ready to get going into that big endeavor. So
0: it's great to talk to all of you. We're going to have a good time. So, the purpose of this show is to take a deeper dive into the mechanics and understandings of Magic the Gathering. This is geared towards more uh, new players, but uh, more experienced players can also find it a little bit more um, insightful so that they can broaden their knowledge of the game. Uh, This is also to help deck builders uh, for potential out of the box ideas. I know that Joe has a couple of them, and one of them is his Judge Breaker deck, but that's a later topic. (laughs) Now, unfortunately, this show does come with some disclaimers. Don't worry, none of them are bad. For instance, Joe? Well, first, we do want to make sure everybody knows that everything we say about every
1: ability is pertinent to the time of the actual recording as I'm sure you're aware, the correctness of our information may change over time. Sometimes Wizards you know, releases a new expansion that contradicts what we, what we were earlier talking about. Um, new abilities come out that may change some of the information we gave you, rules updates or rules changes. So just keep in mind, everything is at the time of recording. And we're gonna ex- uh, reference the comprehensive rules pretty frequently. If you're not familiar with the comprehensive rules, we do encourage you to go ahead and read through them at some point if you really want to understand what's going on with the game. But just realize that we'll throw out a lot of comprehensive rules language, and then we're going to try to break it down as much as we can so that it's easy for your average player to understand so that you don't have to be a a judge to really understand the the actual
0: rules of the game. So how we're going to structure this podcast is... Um, Down the road, we would like it to be a two-part format with with what we are calling a, a lecture lab format. For instance, the podcast will be the lecture where we sit down, talk about, discuss, give our opinions on whichever topic it is. And then for the lab portion, it'll be a video of Joe and I playing a game using cards with those abilities. Some stipulations will be... Put in place, for instance, instead of playing a 60-card deck, if we are playing a constructed format, we'll be playing 40 cards rather than 60. If we are going to, if we decide that we want to do a um, a commander-style game around the mechanics, then we're going to limit it to 60 cards, similar to the brawl format, and that's just so that we can focus more on the abilities than the actual like gameplay they'll be completely unstaged whatever happens happens in it it's just a way for us to have fun while also learning new stuff about the game now with all games there are some things that you just absolutely have to live by joe what are some of them that sing to you
1: So we're calling this segment our words to live by and essentially what we're talking about here is there's a lot of terminology that goes into Magic the Gathering uh, Very specific to the game and there are some terms that you just need to know because they are part of the game And then there are some terms that have developed over time. You know some slang that players have created and that new players sometimes you walk into a a situation and you may not quite understand all the terminology. So we're going to bring you a couple words every episode that really break down a couple of those words and give you a solid definition so that when you hear this word going into a game you know what you're talking about. We have four of them for you today. The first is keyword ability. The keyword ability is an essential game term. It's a term such as flying or haste. These words are actually used as shorthand for much longer abilities or groups of abilities that'll show up in the comprehensive rules. And again, you can read the comp rules to get the exact terminology, but most of the time we're gonna break that down for you in this podcast. The next one is activated ability. An activated ability is a kind of ability that'll show up on a card from time to time. It's not on every card that you'll see. Activated abilities are always written as whatever the cost is, then a colon, then the effect. And then, if there are any specific activation instructions, you'll see those afterwards. And when we start talking about more of our activated abilities, you'll understand what those are. The next word is evergreen abilities. Evergreen abilities are a general term for a series of keyword abilities that will appear across multiple expansions. So some of these words you might hear are flying, trample, menace, vigilance, or death touch. These are pretty common abilities, they're not specific to a set or a group of cards, you're just going to see them pretty consistently. The last term we're going to talk about tonight is the set mechanic. Now this is another general term, but it applies to a group of keyword abilities that appear in specific expansions throughout the history of Magic. Now every expansion tends to have its own uh, set mechanics that it sort of revolves around. Some of these include kicker, or phasing, morph, or the the ability jumpstart. Tonight we're going to talk about one specific set mechanic that's specific to the one of the latest releases Commander Legends. And so Chris, why don't you talk tell us about the focus of our
0: show, the set mechanic Encore. All right. So, Encore debuted in the expansion set Commander Legends in November 2020. It is it works very similarly to the unearth ability that was found in the Alara block, and it's also very similar to the uh, flashback m- mechanic that was from the Odyssey block. Now with all new with all new abilities, there's always rules, changes and uh, Joe, let's dive into the comp rules. Alright, so the rules. We always
1: want to tell you the exact ruling that comes from the comprehensive rules for every one of our mechanics. So the rules tonight for Encore. It's rule 702.140A. Encore is an activated ability that functions while the card with Encore is in a graveyard. Encore cost means pay the cost, exile this card from your graveyard, for each opponent, create a token that's a copy of this card that attacks that opponent this turn, if able. The token gains haste. Sacrifice them at the beginning of the next end step. Activate this ability only anytime you could cast a sorcery. Chris, please tell us about some featured cards from Commander Legends
0: that have the Encore ability. Alright, let me just pull this one up first one is going to be amphin Mu- Mutineer. He's 3 in a blue for a 3-3 creature, Salamander Pirate, with the ability, when Amphen Mutineer enters the battlefield, exile up to one target, non-Salamander creature. That creature's controller creates a 4-3 blue Salamander Warrior creature token. And it has the Encore ability... Four four, and two blue. And the activation cost is four, two blue. Exile this card from your graveyard. For each opponent, create a token copy that attacks that opponent this turn if able. They gain haste. Sacrifice them at the beginning of the next end step. Activate only as a sorcery. This one's fun. I mean, it introduces salamander, and I don't think there's really been any salamanders. Not any important ones, that's for sure. I'm just hoping for an, an Axolotl.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so the next card we have that really features the Encore ability is Elvish Dreadlord. All right, Elvish Dreadlord is, is a creature that costs 3 and 2 black. It's a 3-3 three, three with Death Touch, and its ability is whenever Elvish Dreadlord dies non elf creatures get minus three minus three until end of turn and it encores for five and two black this really matters, because when you're looking at it, the Elvish Dreadlord, when it dies the first time, it gives minus three, minus three to everything until end of turn, but then when you have three tokens on the battlefield, and we're, of course we're thinking about you know a four player commander game at this point, you know if you have three tokens of Elvish Dreadlord on the battlefield, when they die at the end of your turn, because you have to sacrifice them, you're looking at everything getting minus nine, minus nine until end of turn, which is really just a massive board wipe for essentially seven mana maybe a bit overcosted, you know but at the same time if you're getting a swing for three at each of your opponents and then you're getting minus nine minus nine to non-elf creatures that's huge and can really be a
0: game changer at the end of the day and that whole non-elf part is very important especially because black is in one of the elf tribal colors, and so this that right. thing could just be an absolute one-sided board Oh,
1: wipe. easily a one-sided board wipe. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what's the next one?
0: Phyrexian Triniform. It's nine mana, well, nine colorless mana, for a nine-nine artifact creature golem. That says, when Phyrexian Triniform dies, create three, three-three, colorless golem artifact creature tokens encore cost of 12. so you pay 12 exile it from your graveyard and for each opponent create a token copy that attacks that opponent this turn if able they gain haste, sacrifice them at the beginning of the next end step activate only as a sorcery now where this gets fun is the first time that you play it and it dies you get three You only get three tokens. But if you Encore it, and again, we are assuming that you have, that all four players are still in the game, so you have three opponents, you now have three of these Triniforms. That whenever they all die, you get three tokens for each of them. So if you were to play a Fire Oxygen Triniform, and then let's just say you sacrifice it to something, or you just kill it right out. And it dies, and you, then you encore it that same turn. You now have three copies of it that you can easily that you attack with, and if you have a way to sacrifice it for a total of twenty-one mana, you now have twelve, three, three golem tokens, which. If you're playing a commander game, sometimes you might have that much mana lying around, and that's just... it absolutely tickles me.
1: Well, and let's not talk about the fact that, you know, the Phyrexian Triniform is a 9-9, so if you're attacking... For, you know three each of your opponents with a nine nine you know they're gonna have a hard time blocking that or at the very least <laughs> you're gonna take out a number of creatures if they have it and they want to go ahead and block that nine damage coming in or you end up with nine damage to their face which I mean that that alone is is a scary concept
0: you know to keep in mind so and then also even if they do manage to kill your all of the triniforms, Well, they just made one big problem into multiple small problems. Absolutely. So instead of one creature that's a 9-9 coming at them, they now have three three 3-3s, which in the game of Commander is actually a uh, decent-sized creature. Absolutely, yeah. That could actually, so over the course of two turns, you could clear out four creatures from just one player alone. So if you do that to everyone, you are clearing out 12 creatures for a total of 21 mana over 2 turns. That's a fair trade to me. That's absolutely a fair trade, yeah. And when you want to talk about fair trades,
1: the last card we have to discuss you know, that features Encore is the Rakshasa Debaser. This is a 6-6 for 4 and 2 black. And its big, big selling point is that whenever it attacks... You put target creature card from defending player's graveyard onto the battlefield under your control. Now, notice this says onto the battlefield under your control, not tapped or anything like that. It just comes onto the battlefield under your control. Now its Encore cost is 6 and 2 black so it is a little pricey but again if you're looking at a four player game still the the ability that you could have to really gain a lot from the Rakshasa debasers Encore ability is just massive. I mean not only are you swinging at 6 or swinging four six at each of your opponents, but you're also potentially getting three powerful cards out of their graveyard, um, or at the very least, I mean, you get three chump blockers. You know, I mean, this is this is just an amazing ability, uh, and it, and it really does say a lot that when you're when you're working with that commander style format where you're playing against you know multiple players and you can pull multiple cards out of a graveyard, it's just a fantastic card to have and a, with a fantastic ability. Um, And and unfortunately, when you look at Encore, it's a great ability, but there just aren't that many cards that really have it. And when you look at Commander Legends as a whole, I mean, it's a massive, full-scale set. Chris, would you tell us a little bit about, actually, the number of cards we're looking at that have Encore overall?
0: Well, before I do that, I just want to say one thing about uh, the Baser. Mm -hmm. The Encore cost is 8 even if you are playing on curve, so if you play one land per turn, and you're able to play this on turn eight, this is a commander games, take a while, right? they easily go into 10, 12, 20 turns, depending on that someone wants depending to play Depending on solitary. the game, yeah. <laughs> um, So, and you don't have to encore it right away. You can have that sitting there, and as long as you are playing somewhat on curve, mm-hmm. You can just go, okay, you have something I like, you have something I like, you have an absolute beast of a creature. Absolutely. (laughs) I'm going to encore this. Yeah. And then I'm going to take, I'm going to pick and choose all of these wonderful shiny toys that everyone has in their graveyard and then use it against them. I'm okay with that. Oh, yeah. And this is coming from the resident necromancer of our group. (laughs) So that one actually tickled me. So, as for the dominant colors, there are three in white, three in blue, four in black, three in red, one in green, one colorless, making that 15 in total. I am happy that black has the most home um, representation for um, Encore because um, white and black are the two resurrection recursion graveyard home shenanigans and black mostly and so it makes sense that something yeah, it just seems up... like a very black focused ability graveyard
1: recursion you know bringing things back from the dead to to do your bidding one more time kind of
0: deal yeah especially with fire firex in form where you can bring it back kill it off however you want, and then you have all of these tokens, and then you just go, okay, I'm just going to sack all of these tokens just to well, do something go, yeah. big, splashy, and hopefully <laughs> game-ending.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: So, when we're
1: looking at all of these different cards and everything, there are a couple decks that have really started to stand out. Um and in fact, one of the most popular decks actually is a card that we didn't mention earlier because um, it doesn't have necessarily you know, Encore in and of itself, but Arami of the Dead Tide is a wonderful card that features sort of the the Encore mechanic, but Arami doesn't have it. Arami gives cards in your graveyard Encore. And we know that since the release of Commander Legends, the Arami deck has become kind of a big deal. Because like I said, Encore, giving every creature in your graveyard Encore is a big deal. Um, and the, the, the enjoyment and, and the shenanigans you can create with that kind of approach is, is kind of massive. Now, when we really start looking outside of the Arami deck, There really, unfortunately, just aren't enough cards in each color with this mechanic to really create a focused deck around, like, the Encore mechanic. And that's why Arami has become really popular, because Arami gives all of your creatures the Encore mechanic. You know, so uh, you're, you're able to really sort of play off of that idea. But when you're looking at, like, you know, we were talking about, there's one green card that has Encore. And so there just isn't enough to really create a focused deck around it and really these cards are sort of only playable in commander Now, I'm not saying you can't do them in one of your eternal format decks if you really want to go for it you can absolutely but it just it pairs well when you have multiple players when you're playing in that four person commander game or even a three or five or six, <laughs> six, seven, eight players you know it gets even better But it really does work well in that multiplayer format. And, of course, it has certain attributes that it pairs well against with. And uh, so, Chris, why don't you tell us about some of those?
0: So, some of them that pair well with are the archetype cards from Nick's sets. um, And those are archetype of courage, archetype of imagination, finality, aggression, and endurance. Correct me if I'm wrong, Joe, but I believe... All of these cards are they say that your creatures your opponents control lose this ability and creatures you control gain this ability. Right. and there is there's no
1: stipulation on it. like archetype of courage, all your creatures gain first strike. doesn't matter what creature it is, they have first strike and your opponent's creatures can't gain first strike. So it really works out well with all of those tokens. They're coming back, they automatically have first strike, they're
0: able to go ahead and swing in. Um, Some other cards that really go well with this is Sundial of the Infinite. And that's because of that whole sacrifice at the end of your turn. Sundial just ends the turn. So in essence, with the turn ending, it skips that end of turn clause. It never happens, so you get to keep whatever was originally supposed to be um, sacrificed. Sort
1: of. For new players, we want to make sure you understand you have to let that trigger go on the stack first you have to make sure that you go to your end step and the triggers to sacrifice all of those creature tokens goes on the stack once you go on the stack then you you tap your sundial the infinite activate that or obeka uh, you, you, you activate the, that creature that artifact to end your turn and then because it ends the turn it exiles everything that's on the stack so therefore those, those abilities come in and they activate, they trigger, not activate, sorry, they trigger, and then because they get exiled, it's almost as if they didn't actually happen at all. But they did happen, so you get to keep your tokens in the long run. And that's that's really the important clause for Obeka and Sundial of the Infinite with Encore.
0: And I alluded to this earlier with Sacrifice decks. so mostly you would want to use either white-black or black-red sacrifice decks and that's just so that you can easily play the creature with Encore and ame- and have a way to kill it at your own discretion and then whenever you do Encore it even if they go to say you get the Triniform and they go to block it with something that's really big well in response to them declaring a uh, blocker you can then sacrifice it so that Even though there's no damage, you still come out positive. Did I get those, uh, um, that ordering right, Joe? Yeah, I think you're good. (laughs) Yay! Now, with every good thing comes a bad thing. And this one really hurts my heart because I am the resident necromancer of the group. I love bringing things back. Graveyard hate. So things that exile or. Exile graveyards or prevent things from leaving the graveyard is the biggest detriment to Encore. Now, what I want to say is, Joe, correct me if I'm wrong, whenever you activate the Encore ability and you exile the card, that the exiling of that card from your graveyard is part of the cost, correct? Correct. It is part of the cost, so, yes. So even if they exile your graveyard in response to you doing it, because of the way that the stack is ordered and the way well, the way that the card is worded, the exiling of that card is part of the effect, so just by using the Encore ability, it isn't affected by your graveyard being exiled.
1: Correct. Now as long as they exile or affect your graveyard in response, and it's it's not so much like the exiling of the creature for the Encore ability is an additional cost which is paid at the time that you actually activate the ability. So by the time you have put your ability on the stack, if your opponent tries to exile your graveyard or remove that creature from your graveyard, it doesn't matter. It's too late. That card doesn't even exist in your graveyard anymore. So there's nothing they can do to it. On the flip side, you gotta remember that Encore can only be activated as a sorcery. So the stack has to be empty and it has to be your turn. If they exile your graveyard at the end of your turn, you know, when you don't have any mana to even, you know, cast your spell, or they exile it during your second main phase, where it really isn't advantageous for you to cast it on or excuse me, activate Encore, then yeah, they're probably gonna get rid of your creature at that point, you know, but so you gotta keep you gotta keep timing restrictions in mind still. But if you have activated it and then they try to remove your graveyard in response. it's not going to work. You are going to get the Encore ability because it's already been exiled as part of the cost for Encore.
0: So what you're saying is get rid of the graveyard or lock down the graveyard before they can do anything. Absolutely. Yeah,
1: If, if you're playing against an Encore deck, you need to make sure that their graveyard can't leave their graveyard or you can always get rid of their graveyard. Yep. Yeah.
0: All right. So, let's see. Um, well, we talked about stuff that is good against, stuff that it's weak against, stuff that is not fun like graveyard hate. So, let's try something new and how it could be used in different formats. Now, it's still really new. Its potential still to be fully realized. Mm-hmm. Again, this is geared more towards commander and multiplayer. Um, right. Formats. Joe, what are your opinions on it?
1: Well, I mean, I think it's uh, it definitely gets better. Encore as, a, as an ability overall gets better the more players that you have. Obviously, the cards aren't legal in standard format, so you're only looking your, at your eternal formats, like Commander, uh, in order to really play these cards. I really don't think that Encore is going to be popular outside of Commander games. Because, again, you look at some of your, your activation costs for the for this ability. I mean, Elvish Dreadlord, 5 for your converted mana cost to cast it as a creature, but you're looking at 7 for the Encore cost. And don't get me wrong, I mean, being able to pull a token back from your graveyard and put it on the battlefield, let it attack immediately, and then get the ability that it has when it dies, almost, you know, guaranteed, That that's great, but for 7 that's a lot that's a huge cost so you really need to make sure that if you're playing against more than or if you're only playing against one player I should say you really got to weigh the cost is it really worth it to get that ability when you're playing 1v1 you know and again now if you're playing commander and you're down to the last two people that's a different story but if you're if you're playing 1v1 like legacy or vintage and you're going to try to activate an Encore card, it's got to really be worth it for you to even put that card in your deck, number one, let alone activate the Encore ability. So, I don't know. I mean, Encore is great in the in the Commander format, and I'm really excited. I, I've wanted to try an Encore deck. I haven't built one yet, but I've wanted to try one just to see how well it really works. Uh, but I, I think I agree with you. Its potential really hasn't been fully realized. and And you never know. We might come, you know, a couple years down the road and Wizards might release another commander focused set where they release a couple more Encore cards and we get some more cards to add to that basis and really see how we can build up that ability and, and see how we can really use it. So
0: Chris, any other thoughts on uh, Encore? Really good design. Like it's really I absolutely enjoy it. Um it's something new well. It's something that is new-ish. It's kind of re—it's a revision of previous mechanics. It's tweaked subtly. There's a lot more mm-hmm. going on with it. But honestly, I like it.
1: Oh, I do too. And I not just great. as a necromancer.
0: Yeah. It was just something new and fresh. Mm-hmm. And honestly, it was nice to have. Because in Commander, you're always looking for something big and splashy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and so they made they made these cards that are big, and splashy and flashy. Right. So this is so these are really good complements to the format and I mean it only helped graveyard decks and mostly elf tribal decks because uh that only green card yeah. that it has Encore <laughs> is a elf card. Yeah. <laughs> so um so all in all, I actually really like it. I mean, I would be absolutely surprised if there was a Legacy or Vintage deck that used it because those decks are, especially with Vintage, where they don't really, they limit cards rather than band right. right, With the exception of Lurus, but we don't talk about that. We don't talk about (laughs) Lurus. Legacy and Vintage, because they have so many cards that they can pull from, those ones are always fast. Yeah, I mean, when you have access to a Black Lotus and you could, and you could actually channel Fireball, uh, not the website, uh, the actual combo, um, when you could actually Fireball someone before their turn. Yeah, and win the game. That's how fast Legacy and Vintage are. Mm-hmm. I don't think there'll be any Encore cards.
1: No, it's just it's it's too slow. You know, it, it is designed for a longer game, something that's designed to, to go multiple turns. You know, I mean, because if you're looking at nine mana to cast an ability or to activate an ability, it's just, yeah, you, you can't play Legacy and Vintage with that kind of mana cost in mind. It's It's just not feasible
0: on a regular basis. If I'm going to play something that's nine or more mana, well... If I had to choose between either Encoring Phyrexian and triniform or playing omnipotence I think omnipotence there we go omnipotence which allows me to play anything without paying its mana cost, I think I'm gonna go with omnipotence yeah just yeah. because the value of it is a lot more yeah but if I if that's the only thing that I can really that I can really do then yeah I'll play triniform I mean I'll get the Again, saying that we have three other opponents. Yeah, I'll get those 12 tokens. That'll be fun. Yeah. Yeah, all things considered. Well, I think
1: that kind of wraps up our discussion of Encore. So I think it's time to clean up this episode and uh, take a question from some of our listeners. I know this is episode one, but yes, we, we do actually have some questions that have been given to us already. So, Chris, what's our question for today?
0: What extras, such as tokens or sleeves make playing easier oh this is a great question me personally i enjoy sleeves just because one is card protection absolutely yeah two it makes shuffling a lot easier Mm -hmm. three it's a way that you can you know kind of have fun and express yourself a little bit yeah i mean i have one that is a zombie that says free hugs why not? Why not? Exactly. Well, and
1: then you, you start looking at uh, players that have older cards or experienced players who, uh, who have older cards. You, know. you, you want to take some of those cards that may have been played a lot more heavily, <laughs> and you want to sleeve them so that if you do go to an event, you, you don't get hit with a with a marked cards, you know, yeah. or, or you know, any kind of any kind of penalty for that. You know, you just you want to make sure everything looks the same and sleeves are a great way to immediately make your deck look uniform all the way through. So yeah, sleeves are an important part of uh of making play easier. Uh I guess a playmat would be the next idea. You know, you you always want to have something that really just keeps your cards protected and makes it easier for you to move them around around the table. Playmats, they come in a variety of styles. You can find whatever one works best for you. Personally, I like the rubber backed and the probably like a nylon top. I think it's neoprene. Ne- neoprene. Yeah, that might be it. But anyway, just a nice simple playmat, something that just it allows your cards to move around easily. But, you know, between a sleeved card and the playmat, it just it's easy to move it around and it keeps your game center Kind of distinguished from everybody else's. It just it's it's just a nice addition to have. It's not necessary, but a play mat is really nice. And you can all, again, it's another way to express yourself and you know show if you've done some big events, you know, like gone to Magic Fest or something like that. It's a way for you to show off those kind of accomplishments and everything.
0: So, uh, Chris, what else do you think? Well, one thing that makes life a lot easier, in my opinion, is tokens. Now, I have used. I have been that player that actually pulls out a piece of paper and tears it up a little bit to make a whole bunch of them, and I scribble on it, whatever it is with you know, basic stuff, to use those as tokens. Not my best moment, but it got
1: the job done. Well, it does get the job done. And you know, sometimes you can't anticipate it, and especially if your opponent doesn't bring anything to denote tokens for you. Like, you know, if they're gonna beast within your creature and they don't give you the 3-3 three, three beast token. To to symbolize you know what what you're getting because they destroyed your creature, it's nice to be able to pull out little pieces of paper or you know a post-it note and just be able to write three three beast you know green beast token and just have it you know. But if you know that something is going to need a token for your deck, it's a good idea to just have those tokens pre-made, ready to go, so you can just pull them out of your deck box and slam them on the battlefield when they're necessary.
0: You know, and tokens, you can buy them from a lot of the online card shops. Um, I know that if you use one of them, every now and then they'll send you a like their own promo kind no, of stuff. Card of. Kingdom is really famous for that. Yeah. yeah. Let's yeah. try nothing, name drop, just you know, eh. whatever. And if you guys want to sponsor us, go ahead. <laughs> um,. But, yeah, Card Kingdom, I have several of their tokens. I think I only use, like, one or two of them, but, I mean, it's nice to have them. Yeah. Um, I know that with all of my decks, all of my commander decks, I have a pile of tokens that I always have. And that's, some of them are as simple as, like, a border around a card with the name on it. And it's very simple. But as long as I can, as long as I know what it is and I can easily tell everyone what it is... It's a token. Um, it does the job, yeah. And to go along with those tokens are dice. Dice, important, yeah. Um, they can keep track of your life. They can keep track of counters. They can keep track of loyalty counters. Any type of counter, you can pretty much use a dice for.
1: Important to note, though, if you do plan to go to a competitive event, I have to check the rules, but I, I want to say last I checked, you cannot use dice to notate your life total. Um, that may have changed since the last thing, that I, but I, I, you know, err on the side of caution there. I don't think you can use dice um, to to show your life total. But everything else, you know, dice is usually something that's generally accepted. There are very few exceptions where you don't want to use dice, and even then if you're going to your local Friday Night Magic, using dice to show your life total, as long as you stay accurate, not gonna be a problem. It's only competitive level events where that gets kind of strict. So, but yeah. And on the idea of life, um, if you're not using dice, definitely keep a little pad of paper or something to denote your life pad, your, your life total, sorry, <laughs> your life total, um, you know, a little notebook or something just so you can have it written down when you do go to tournaments and such even at your your local store you are responsible for keeping track of your life total and it's just a good idea to keep track of your opponent's life total you know every time your life total changes you're supposed to announce it so it's always good and this way if a discrepancy ever shows up you can go back and try to figure out where the error happened with one player or the other and you, you this way you know you're also not relying on your opponent to tell you oh yeah i'm i'm at three life when actually they're at two and you can swing for two with your grizzly bear and and knock them out um instead of leaving them at one this way you know it just it it keeps everybody on the up and up and you you better believe that if your opponent knows what they're doing they're keeping track of your life total too so in essence
0: trust but verify trust but verify absolutely (laughs) (laughs) now along with all of these if your location uh, location permitted permitting um snacks and beverages if you're attending a longer event me for sure because whenever i was at uh magic fest i was there for 10 hours they can get pretty lengthy (laughs) and also it was an hour away from where i lived so i was gone for 12 hours um, one thing that I didn't really bring was, uh, snacks and drinks. My wallet was hating me at the end of the day because everything, because I think for like a, like cheeseburger and some fries and, uh, um, a drink, I think I paid like nine or $10 for it. Yeah. So, um, and that's because it was at a convention center. And so they, you know, they jacked the prices up for everything. Um, so if I had just brought, you know, some jerky and some soda or water or whatever, and I, I could have been happy.
1: Well, and Chris, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but do, do they provide lunch breaks for you during those larger events? Uh, whenever I did it, not really. No, so uh, you know, having a snack available just in case you don't really get a chance for lunch. You know, just, it's just a good idea. Not saying you can't go get food, but, you know, have something to tide you over. Um, and it's something that people often overlook, you know, because you're, you're there to play Magic. You know, that's that's your goal. You're not thinking about the idea that, oh, I could be playing eight or nine rounds, and each round lasts 50 minutes plus extended time, and all of a sudden I don't have time to eat lunch. And you're, you're
0: kind of out of luck. So I mean, whenever I was at Magic Fest, the only times that I really had time to get something to eat or like had a decent amount of time to myself was um whenever i had a whenever i had a buy round or mm-hmm. i actually had a one of my wins was because of a forfeit because my opponent didn't show up uh to for right. 10 minutes and so and yes uh, the round time is 50 minutes but it may go but if everyone gets done at within, like, 30 minutes. That round was 30 minutes. Yeah. And so it's hard to kind of judge how long you have. So yeah. that's where snacks, you know, bag a trail mix and you're good. Yeah. Something that you can just can't kind of, like, munch on, you know, in between games or in between rounds. Something like that. Well, um, even
1: our local our local game store. I think the last uh, pre-release we did, we had, what, 15 or 16 players? But that that round... Oh, man, it still lasted what five or six hours i mean we were mm-hmm. we were playing yeah, it was probably till about ten o'clock at night before you know we started around five, and I think we ended around ten o'clock, so I mean it was still a long long evening of magic and you wanted some snacks to make sure that you didn't get really hungry throughout the time so snacks and water always a good idea um, as long as your location permits them you know of course check with your your tournament organizer and or whatever location you're going to and make sure that they're okay with that chris anything else that would
0: make play easier uh, for players the biggest one that i can think of and we saved it for last and that's Either manners, a positive mental attitude, and even friends. Even if you're loose, if you have a so manners, you always want to be courteous. You want to treat others the way you want to be treated. And some cards that your opponent may be using are worth an ungodly amount. (laughs) Yeah, and so you want to respect that. You want you want to make sure you are asking to handle their cards. You want to just show them that courtesy. That instead of just outright picking it up and looking at it, you want to ask. Hey, can I take a look at it? Well, even if it's a you know dime card, you still want to yeah. look. Hey,
1: that belongs to you. You know, can I can I go ahead and, and look at that card? I'm not sure what it does. Do you mind if I you know pick it up and everything? Just you know, yeah, basic manners. You know, it doesn't belong to you. Can I can I see it?
0: Kind of deal. And then another big one is positive mental attitude. Even if you're losing, as long as you have a positive mental, mental attitude, you're still going to come out on top. I mean, it's a game. Have fun. I f- whenever I was at magic fest, I finished with a record of five sorry of three and five. Did I finish with the best record ever? absolutely not absolutely not, but I had fun. My opponents there was one where after the uh after the round during game three we were talking and she was and she told me, well, if you had done this at this time or you had done something similar to this. At that time, it could have actually changed how the game went. They were give. I was... It was my first time playing in a big competitive scene, and I had people there that were giving me pointers that were going, you should try doing this. Maybe next time, whenever you build this deck, include these cards. Right. They were giving me ideas and pointers, and at that point, I'd been playing Magic for several years. Yeah. And I was still learning new things, and it's just because of awesome opponents that I had. And the last part is friends. Joe, you're my friend, and what did I do? I got you back into magic. That you did, and I am so glad for it. It has been such a great time. And, and from that, we've had other friends join us. And slowly, we, it started out as me and Joe, then a fr- then one of their friends joined, and then a friend of theirs joined, and we now have a commander pod players we now have a pod every single time that we have played i don't think there's a time that any of us has been legitimately mad at each other for anything it's always we're always laughing we're always congratulating we're always making jokes yeah well chris i think we
1: have uh we've talked about that question Quite quite extensively. Um, if you have anything extra that you think would make magic easier to play, you know those extra kind of ideas that just in general make a game a little bit
0: easier on you, please let us know. Uh,
1: Chris, how can they get
0: in touch with us? All right. So as of right now, you can find us on Twitter at MTG Under the Hood. You can also email us at MTG Under the Hood uh, at gmail.com. Uh, Thank you for listening to this episode of MTG Under the Hood. I'm Chris. And I'm Joe. We look forward to delving deeper Under the Hood with you next episode. Stay tuned.